I, I want to just briefly uh, touch on a topic that I, I believe will um, inf- be very informative for us before we get to prayer. I won't at all be long um, um, as for the, for the reason that uh, this is of course prayer and so but I wanted to every time we join, <clears throat> I want to continue to uh, more often than not the focus on the specific topic of prayer. Um, because it's one of those things that I believe we need to become scientists in. We need to become scientists in prayer, um, both in theory. What I mean by theory is both by reading the scriptures, number two, by it being modeled, and number three, by it being experimented. And when I say experimenting, I don't mean that we don't know anything about the thing as if you know we're exploring certain depths of the ocean that we're not familiar at all of. I mean to say that you already have experience in it, but you want to go even deeper. You want to go longer. You want to explore uh, more in uh, depths of God that you have yet to experience. Um, new powers, new dimensions in his power, um, in his glory. And so um, with that said, um, I want to briefly uh, give us a, a small teaching on a specific aspect of prayer and for me this is very important because this is something that first of all I've never heard behind the pulpits before I've never in my experience maybe you have but I personally have never uh, experienced this uh, I've never witnessed um, an individual a pastor um, evangelist so on and so forth ever give a teaching on this particular aspect of prayer and I believe that the, with the, be, I believe if there's an absence of this, it's going to critically affect our lives in a negative way. Even if we're intimate with God, even if we bless Him with our lips, even if uh, we don't even struggle in prayer, um, but it's one of these things that you will face um, some form of attack or another, and. And you're going to perhaps question God, why? Why has this happened? Or why is this going on? Now, we understand that there is the utmost importance of prayer. And I want you all to hear me. I want you to give your undivided attention because if you don't grasp this, mark my words, you will be impacted um, for the negative. Um, okay, so the Bible lets us know in James that there is a, a, a reason for why certain things do not happen and he tells us, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. It's as simple as that. And I don't care how you try to slice it. I don't care how you try to dice it. I don't care if you're a Calvinist and you try to explain things away by saying God is in control. And um, let me say this. That's a yes and no. God is not uh, causing every single thing in the universe to occur. He is sustains the, the universe by the word of his power. But... People have free will, and so do demons. Y- y'all understand that? Demons have free will. Amen. And what Calvinism does, it leads people to believe that God is the author of cruelty. Okay? So, there are some things. Paul says that we wanted to go to Thessalonica, but Satan hindered us. It doesn't make sense, because some people say, well, you know, the Calvinists will say, well, God sent the devil. But, it okay, if... Paul wanted to go proclaim the word. Why would God send the devil to hinder his own word? That doesn't make sense. 
Y'all see that? He says, we wanted to go to Thessalonica to preach the word to you all, but Satan hindered us. God's not going to send the devil to hinder his own work. Unless you think God does that. I don't, as an, employ, as an employer, do you think your boss is going to tell you to do something to only then hinder what he told you to do? He does, we're, okay. So, <clears throat> but now um, I, I want us to real quickly go to, so that is to say that there are certain things that won't happen if we don't bring them before the Lord. You know, the Israelites were in bondage for 300 years. It wasn't until they cried out that God heard them and he delivered them. So God will be very long-suffering even toward our suffering. And if we don't pray, nothing is going to happen. Amen. It's, it's as simple as that. You might say, well, why, why does God do that? You know, um, we're not... Try, we're not trying to be philosophers on, on philosophizing for why this or why that, okay? All we know is that there is a revealed a protocol in Scripture. There's a revealed way, and God has commanded us to obey this. And um, I, I have found that when we begin questioning, we're not too far from the Garden of Eden and us falling from it. Did God really say because he knows the day that you eat of this, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan is providing the why behind the what. God told them what. Now Satan is trying to enter in their mind to get them to understand the why or the hows and, and all this stuff. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for that. But that can lead to evil suspicions and endless speculations, which Paul forbids us to venture down. And so real quickly, let us turn to Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 13. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, this is Jesus teaching. Now, this is paralleling with Luke 11. Luke 11, in Luke 11, the, uh, the Luke, he mentions something that Matthew doesn't include. Because Luke includes the friend who goes to his other friend at midnight and asking for bread and the man says, you know, my children are asleep. I can't get up and give you anything. And Jesus' teaching here is to say, you know, keep on knocking. Be importunate, be persistent. Because if he won't answer you because you're his friend, if you keep bugging him, he'll answer. And so that's the same model that Jesus wants us to learn. Jesus did it in the garden for one session of prayer. There was three intervals of each, an hour each. He went and prayed the same thing. If you look in John's account, you look in Mark's account, you look in Matthew's account and Luke's account, he is praying the exact same thing. Paul besought the Lord thrice, as the scripture says. In other words, he sought the Lord three times about one specific, specific matter. It's not suggestive that you don't have faith. In fact, it is an indication, it is evidence that you do in fact have faith. That you keep going to the Lord again and again and again. That's an indication of faith. Amen. May not always to pray and not faint. So if you're not fainting, that's an indication that you haven't thrown in the towel and that you're still believing God. Okay? But Luke includes that. Matthew doesn't include that. I just want to let you little uh, give you a little information on the text. They are parallels. Okay? So now 
there is one particular verse that I want to get to in the Lord's Prayer because in Luke 11, in beginning in verse 1, the apostles go to Jesus and say, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So we need to be taught how to pray. Okay, it's not, some people say, you just go ahead and start talking to God. No, that's not true. That's not what they said. And I understand the sentiment behind that. And I think that God can wink at our ignorance and kind of, um, I guess, uh, be tolerant of our ignorance in prayer. But Paul tells us that we have a problem, for we know not how to pray or what to pray as we ought, so the Spirit helps us. Okay, so the Spirit is present to enable us to teach us how to pray and what to pray, in addition to the teachers that have been given to the body to help uh, aid people in prayer. Okay, so there's a problem Man has a problem. He doesn't know what to pray. He doesn't know how to pray. Okay, Luke 11 doesn't know how to pray. Uh, and um, Romans 8 tells us we don't know what to pray. Okay, so <clears throat> verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so we see right here that this is the will of God. And this is, and, and anything that is the will of God is something that we can pray. Okay, because God doesn't want us to pray our will. He wants us to pray the will of God. So what is the will of God here? Is to deliver us from the evil one. Okay, now there's a lot of Christians out there that will harp on, you know, us being doormats for the world. You know, just allow them to sock you up, be a crash dummy for the world. And that's not what God wants. We see it clearly here in the text. If I am a doormat for the world, does that mean I'm delivered from the evil one? Am I delivered from evil? Now, depending on what translation you read, and I'm not going to get into the Greek and the the you know the how that works, but some translations may say delivers from evil, and in 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 some cases the one translation may say delivers from the evil one. But in either case. We see this much that God wants to deliver us from evil. Okay, and he wants to deliver us from evil men. And he wants to deliver us from evil women and evil organizations. Um, Amen. So, now I want, to, I want to give you some verses to support that. If you turn real quick, because there's, there's a number of ways that you may be delivered from evil. And I want to get this uh, through this as uh, quickly as possible. So, bear with me. I want you to be prepared because we're going to get into prayer so prepare your hearts. Um, Psalm 141 uh, tells us this. Um, Psalm 141. This is David praying. And he says, uh, verse 1, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call. May my prayer set before, be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. <coughs> and then he says this. Um... Verse 5, I'm going to just read half of verse 5. He says, um, For my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. And then I want to come uh, real quickly to verse 9 and verse 10. Keep me safe from the traps they set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Remember, this is a prayer. Verse 10, Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. See, some people don't like that about God. They, they're maybe too afraid 
uh, to pray that. They think, well, that's unbiblical. But how could it be unbiblical if it's right here in the text? Lord, let my enemies fall into their traps and let me pass by safely. May I not fall into those traps. May those weapons not... Uh, uh, those weapons formed against me prosper. May it recoil back to them. Some, some that 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 may not look like you know a hippie Jesus of love, but people don't like this part of Jesus. But this is where we have to know God, not know the God of the evangelicals or know the God that the reform preach or the, this church preaches or that denomination preaches. I want to know the Jesus of the scriptures. And the Jesus of the scriptures that I know had gone into a temple with a whip. And I don't know about you, it, people don't make whips without using them. Y'all understand? It's just as simple. People just think that he flipped over the tables. And we're cool with that part, but we leave out that he had a whip. And he intended on using it. Okay, so it wasn't just a scare tactic. He was, he was angry that, you know, what was going on in the father's house. Because he says, is it not written in the law that my father's house should be called the house of prayer? Okay, and so that's what I'm trying to make this here is is to be to honor our father to please our father that this would be a house of prayer, not a house of entertainment, not a house of clowns, not a house of comedy, not a house of comical figures, not a house of smoke of fog machines and fancy lights and you know uh, actors. We have circuses for Amen. that. In fact, circuses do it better than the church. So if I want to be entertained, I'll go see an actual clown, not someone who's an imposter trying to be a preacher, but ends up being a clown. Right? I know that sounds insulting, but come on, man. We need to stop playing in God's house. This isn't a playpen. And I'm not saying that you all are playing, but, you know... But it exists out there. And it's not as light as you think God makes it out to be. God is, you know, you know, God is more patient with the crackhead than he is with the clowns behind the pulpit. I assure you that. I assure you God is more tolerant and more patient with the crackhead and the prostitute before he is the men behind the pulpit making a show of his house because what they are doing is they're desecrating what is holy they're treating what is holy and they're making it common whereas the crackhead at least knows I'm so jacked up I ain't ready to give my life to God but I ain't fooling with those holy things nah I'm good I, I'm not going to do that no and so there is a separation between what is common and what is holy but now, uh, real quickly, if you look in Second uh, Samuel chapter fifteen, I'm gonna try to hurry through this. Second Samuel uh, chapter fifteen, verse thirty and thirty-one. Again, Second Samuel chapter fifteen. Oh boy, sometimes I feel like I don't know how to navigate through my Bible. Um. Again, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. 
Uh, this is what the word of the Lord reads. It says, But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His, uh, his head was covered, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads, too, and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. So we won't read it, but we will see later that that's exactly what happened is Ahithophel's counsel was turned into foolishness. And uh, Absalom... Um, uh, excuse the king refused to hear the counsel of Ahithophel because Ahithophel was one of his counselors. In fact, one of his most advised, uh, one of his greatest advisors, one of his greatest uh, uh, counselors that whom he trusted in. And yet, after David prayed this one time, the king did not listen to Ahithophel. And if I'm not mistaken, Ahithophel ended up committing suicide. And but. His counsel was thrown into foolishness because there are some things that are outside of your control. There's going to be people that want to plot against you. There are going to be people who are slandering you. And, and, and so we have no control over what the people's perspective of us. All we are left to do at that point is say, God, turn their counsel. Those who are turning against your church, turning against your people, turn their counsel into foolishness. All the nations that are conspiring against the Lord and His anointed, as Psalm 2 says, it says the Lord laughs in the heavens and He will hold them in derision. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but if, what are we praying? That they get cupcakes and teddy bears? Oh, you know, oh Lord, just just give them a, a nice little cupcake, you know, a nice little teddy bear from Build-A-Bear, you know, and, and with a little sprinkle on, on the cupcake. You know, this calls for war. It calls for military action. I'm not saying that we will uh, boister uh, uh, hatred in our hearts towards them. You know, and as long as, pe you know, the world don't fight against the church, then we'll be cool with you. Be cool with us, we'll be cool with you. But once you start persecuting our people and you start you know, uh, oppressing children and you start murdering uh, children in the womb, then that's when we pray these prayers. I'm not saying every lost sinner that we pray this way towards. You know, there's some people genuinely lost. They're, they're broken. They want Christ. They just, you know, they're beat up by life. Those aren't the people. I'm, t I'm talking about the Herods of our day. I'm talking about the Jezebels of our day, the Ahabs of our day. The people that are merciless, they know they're sinning against the light and they don't want the truth and they're out to get you and they're out to get children. Does, does that make sense? Amen. Y'all following? Uh, a, couple, a couple more. Uh, Psalm 33 verse 10. Psalm 33 verse 10. <clears throat> it says this. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. Who does that? God does it. God is the one doing this. Amen. Okay? So, you know, here's, the, here's where some of the people have a problem with this. They say, okay, well, you know, um, I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay, well... 
here's what here here's what the default position is if you don't pray this way guess what that means for innocent people it means cruelty to the innocent people who won't get delivered that's what it means so like for example let's say you know people that are trafficking children i'm not i'm not going to pray i'm not going to pray that they prosper I pray for their exposure. I pray that justice will fall on their heads. I pray that the wickedness that they have set for others, they will fall into it. Why? Because there's children that are crying, that are being tortured, that were ripped away from their parents. And you want me to expect for God to just be passive at that? No. I, I pray, Lord, arise for the needy, for the oppressed, and recompense the evil for their deeds. May justice come to them speedily. You know, okay, so um, now here's a couple other verses that I want to share and then we'll close. <clears throat> Some people say, well, you know, that's just an Old Testament thing. And I get that sentiment, but here's two problems. We will have to be led to believe, number one, that um, that there's good reason for us to believe that God somehow stopped uh, uh, hearing those form of prayers. Like something, there in the transition from the old to the new, there was some good reason that God had to do away with, with this, with this, these types of prayers. And the only reason that would lead people to believe that is that the law was fulfilled. Okay, now you have to ask yourself, in what ways was the law fulfilled? The law was only fulfilled in, in the Levitical the Levitical laws we don't observe anymore. So we're not sacrificing sheep. There's a new priesthood. The Melchizedek priesthood, not the Levitical priesthood. So all those kosher laws, all those theocratic laws, like uh, stoning people, all of that is not taken away. It's fulfilled. See, in the law, we used to stone people. Today, we excommunicate them from church. And the reason why I know that if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul actually draws from the Old Testament where it talks about stoning, and he applies it to kicking someone out of the church. And the, he's citing Deuteronomy where it says, Purge out the evil from among you. So it's not that God abolished those commandments. It's that the commandments have found fulfillment in the new. So the Levitical priesthood, it was all of that, all those shadows was fulfilled in the new one, the Melchizedek priesthood. The, the observing the Sabbath on the seventh day, okay, that was fulfilled in the sense that Christ is now our Sabbath. And so it all has fulfillment. And so there is no disruption from the new to the old. Does that make sense? So if we see them praying these things, it is a biblical basis for them, for us to make those our prayers too. And here's the second reason, is that we see in the New Testament that they continue to pray things like this. In Acts chapter 4, Peter says, consider their threats. Consider them. He doesn't say forgive them. He says, consider their threats against your people. That's number one. Uh, number two 
is we see in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus gives us an instruction, a parable on prayer. He talks about the importunate widow. The context is justice because the widow is going to the judge who is unjust and he says, give me justice against my adversary. And he says this at the end. He says, he says, God will give them justice and speedily. He says, but when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find faith? So this indicates to us that this is in the context of the second coming. Y'all understand? So this is an expected prayer even for today. God, give me justice against my adversaries. But will, when, will he find faith when the Son of Man comes to the earth? Will we still have faith that God will do what he said he will do? Y'all following? Let me uh, type amen and let me know if you're following. Amen. Because I, I, I feel a bit of resistance. <coughs> um, here's the last one Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Uh, verse 11 and this will be the last verse then we'll pray Acts chapter 13 verse 11 it says this um, well you know what let, let, let us begin at verse 8 but it says Elimas the sorcerer for that is what his name means opposed them he opposed Paul and them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So someone can't argue that Paul did this in the flesh. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Does the text say that? Okay. Amen. Look straight at Alimas and said, you are a child of the devil. Oh, that's not, that's not nice. Come on, Paul. You're supposed to smile, give him a Joel Olstein smile, a pat on the back, give him a little, you know, a little uh little bag with a little bit of goodies in them and say, Hey, welcome to our church. <laughs> now, I'm not advocating being hate filled. That's not what I'm advocating for. Okay, if you think that this is just hey, let your hearts be filled with malice and bitterness and hatred towards people. No, that's not what this is. Okay, but look it, it says, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. So he isn't just um, a sinner. He is a sinner that has made himself an enemy of the cross of Christ. There are sinners that haven't made themselves the enemies of God. Do you know that? They're ignorant God fearers. They fear God. They respect him. They'll put out a cigarette when they're when they're talking to you. They'll cut when they cuss around you. They're oh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry about that, man. You know they, they have somewhat of a general generic respect for God, but they're just in bondage. But this these people have made themselves an enemy of God. And it says, look straight at Elimas and said, you are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the ways of uh, the, the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Why didn't he just, you know, why didn't he pray for his eyes to see? 
Amen. Somebody is. Does the text say what it say? Does Amen. it does it say what it says? Amen. Am I making Amen. this up? Is this the Old Testament? Because if we were going to take that argument that this is the Old Testament, why is this found in the New? And we know that Paul didn't do it in his flesh. It says Paul filled with the Holy Spirit, so he was energized by the Spirit to do that. I didn't. I didn't make that up. I'm not speculating about it. It's just a plain reading of the text. Now, here's the thing. Again, two things I'm not advocating for. That doesn't mean that Paul hated him. That didn't mean that Paul uh, was this, you know, sadistic monster looking for occasions to strike people down. That's no. It's a matter of these people are intentionally coming in the ways of God. They're perverting the ways of righteous. They're harming other people. Because of these people, a bunch of people are going to hell. Because they keep deceiving people, they keep murdering people, and you know, so this is how we wage war. See, in the Old Testament, it was by the actual sword, today it's by the sword of the Spirit. Before, the military that we enlisted in was an actual sword, and we actually fought against enemies. Today, we fight by prayer. And I can tell you personally, I've seen time and time again... God do exactly what I've asked him to do when it had come to the removal of the wicked. Amen. Y'all following? Amen. Amen.